0: Welcome back to the podcast. Uh, Today, our guest is Stephen Goodman. He is the president and CEO of SHG Planning. Good morning, Steve. Good
1: morning. It's great to be on.
0: Thank you. So tell us some about about yourself. And I mean, you're into business succession planning and trust and helping uh, families be able to to carry on a bit, you know, the family business from generation to generation. What, What made you get into that?
1: It's a good question. Uh, You know, I'll I'll start with my background. I started out in public accounting. I worked for one of the big four accounting firms, KPMG. I'm a CPA. I have my MBA in finance. I then worked for JP Morgan for three years in their private bank. Kind of decided I wanted to be in my own business. Um, You know, I went to a good business school, but I kind of saw when I was at JP Morgan that the people that really advanced were generally the ones who went to the top, you know, eight or 10 business schools, which I didn't go to one of them. And I said, the only way I'm gonna control my destiny is to go out on my own. Uh, When I was with JP Morgan, banking world was changing. So they were starting to get involved in in estate planning and insurance and business planning and investment planning. And I just got very interested in all those subjects. So I decided I would kind of go out on my own into what I guess you would call the financial planning world. My business is a little different. I'm not a full-blown financial planner in that My focus is mostly in business succession planning, which is dealing with business owners with the succession, either to their families, other partners, key employees. I do a lot of work in estate planning. I also get involved in sophisticated design of people's retirement plans. If they're gonna get involved in things like ESOPs, I could help advise them. And as well as a lot of work in risk management, whether it be life insurance, disability, long-term care, and investment planning. Those are kind of the areas I kind of focus in on.
0: So what made you decide that, okay, I'm 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 kind of done working for everybody else. I want to, I want to go out and, and do this on my own.
1: Well like like I said, I mean I, I just saw that to advance in a big company, a lot is not within your control. And I just said I, I want to be able to control my own destiny. And if I leave and I go out on my own, which certainly had risks relating to it, you know, going from Perfect. getting a nice salary to going on your own and having no clients. I said, at least I can control my own destiny, which right. thank, thankfully turned out to, to work out very very well with me. And, and that's kind of why I did it.
0: Kind of, what was the point that, that made you feel that you have become successful at what you're doing? When, when was that particular moment?
1: <laughs> it's a good question. You you always want to be more successful. So you never want to rest on laurels, but I I don't know. I mean, I probably, you know, probably three or four years into doing this when, you know, we, we used to do a lot of seminars back then, you know, a lot of them face-to-face seminars. And we used to do it with a lot of the big banks, you know, uh, Citibank, JP Morgan, Chemical Bank was a bank back then. A lot of these banks have kind of merged since then, you know, I would speak in front of audiences of 50, 60, 80, 100 people. I really understood what I was talking about and the people were very impressed with what I had to say and they wanted to work with me and my firm. So, you know, that's when you get reinforced when, you know, you have a bunch of people that are wealthy, successful people who say this person really hit a lot of nerves and, and he's the one I want to add to my team to help me. And obviously, with that became more financial success because as you get more clients, you get more money. Uh, but it was first just that feeling of, I know my stuff and people realize it. And, and that's probably where I, I kind of sensed it. So
0: obviously, you help businesses and things um, and families and so forth. Who is it that typically is your client? Is it the family or is it more, you know, the CPAs like me and financial planners that reach out to you to to bring you in?
1: Well, it's an interesting question because whenever I'm referred into a business owner by somebody, let's say somebody like yourself, I always view that you are my client because you're the one who's recommending me and the client is your client. Now, obviously, they're kind of my client as well because I'm helping them in these areas. When I meet a client through, let's say, another client where I'm not brought in by you know, a center of influence, well, then clearly they're my client. But I don't treat the client any differently, whether I meet them on my own or whether you introduce me, it's just, I understand kind of where it came from and I respect the people that introduced me and and always want them to know that I look to them. You know, if the client has a need, like if I'm speaking to a client and they, I think they need something and you brought me in, I'm not going to just recommend somebody to the client. I'm going to come back to you and say, look, I think the client needs help in this area. Here's some people that I work with. Would you be open to using them? If not, do you have somebody? And then if you have your own person, great. We work with them. Or if you're not, you may be open to using somebody that, that I work with.
0: Yeah, that's great. Because I mean, you, one of the the big things, you know, you're talking right now is, is the team approach and I'm very much the team approach. Um, recently written a book, you know, um, you know, the right, build, build the right team, build the right plan. And that's really what, what you're doing is you have your, your, your team and helping the individuals, uh, build their plan. So, um, you know, that, that's always great. So what are some of the significant, um, obstacles that people run into with, uh, business succession planning?
1: I, I mentioned this, you know. I, you know, when when I speak to people, there's there's two big issues, without getting into the nitty gritty specifics, mm-hmm. which I will. But the two macro issues as to why people don't plan, one is time. You know, entrepreneurs have gotten successful because they're very focused on their business. They're on their game every day. Every day there's issues in their business. You know, no business owner doesn't run into something every day. There's some problem. To do planning requires you to take a step back from what you need to do today to work on things that are for the betterment in the future. And although that sounds great, most entrepreneurs are not good at that because they don't want to take their time away from the. The needs they have today in their business. So the first reason I find people don't do planning is they they just don't allocate the time. And, and the time is not just one meeting. To do proper planning is usually a six month process that has you know minimum a meeting a month with phone calls in between. And there's a there's a time commitment. Every meeting requires decisions to be made. So it you know it's not like the business owner just shows up and says okay I'm here for the next meeting. They usually have to have thought about things and that takes time. So that's the first big issue. The second big issue is more of a family issue. So let's focus this more on a family business. Right. So the example I always give is I have two kids, you know, they're not in my business, but I have two kids. They're you know in their 30s, and you know, from the time they were babies, you know, like, oh well, you got him a lollipop, I want a lollipop. You know, <laughs> this one got to go to the movies, I want to go to the movies. You bought this one a cell phone, the other one wants a cell phone. This one gets a bicycle, the other one gets a bicycle. And you spend you know, constantly they play you against one another, and you keep reinforcing to your kids, which is the truth, that you love them the same, you know, whether you have two kids, three kids, five kids, you know. I love you all the same because you do generally love all your kids the same as a parent. And then all of a sudden, one day you wake up and you say, you know something, I got a problem here. I built this really big business. I got three kids. One of them's in the business, two are not. And obviously I can go into different scenarios and the different problems, but let's stay with this one. Most of my money is in my business. When I die, I mean, put aside husband and wife for a second, more second death as an example, like, Am I leaving this business to all three of my kids? Am I leaving it just to my kid in the business? If I leave it to my kid in the business, I don't have a lot to give my other kids. If I leave the business to all of my kids, then I'm 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 taking two kids who know nothing about the business. And then, you know, they how much say am I giving them? How much am I protecting my son or daughter in the business versus the other kids? So what ends up happening is the parent. More so dad, because still in the 60, 70 age group, which is where a lot of people are doing this, businesses still today are mostly run by men. It's certainly changing. If I had this conversation 20 years from now, it would not be that way. But today, that's generally how it is. And and dad sits there and goes, you know, I got two sons and a daughter. I don't get along that well with one of my daughter-in-laws. As it is, it's tough. Like, if I tell my kids my plan, I know somebody's not going to be happy mm-hmm. because it's never going to be perfect. And and if it's one of my sons that aren't happy, that means my daughter-in-laws are going to be even more unhappy. And I don't want them holding my grandkids as ransom against me. Yeah. Like, you know, if you do something and piss off your son and that really pisses off your daughter and your daughter says you know your dad is a jerk and like I cannot believe that he actually thinks that this is a fair way for him to do things and you know what you know the hell with him I'm you know I have no interest to have a relationship with your father and you know I'm not having the grandkids see your dad or mom anymore you know so a lot of times parents understand that like I am taking a risk in the relationships within my family, the more I expose my plan and my idea. So it's almost like if I don't, if I do nothing and I shut up, I'll be, everybody will be fine. And then when I'm dead, they'll probably want to kill each other, but I'm dead. So like, you know, there's nothing I could do about it at that point. I mean, it's a selfish way of thinking, but, so those are the two big issues, the unwillingness to take the time to plan and that, making these decisions is very emotionally difficult. You know, it's not like if I have $5 million, $6 million of money and it's in municipal bonds and I say, okay, when I die, I got three kids, I'm going to each get $2 million of bonds. It's like, you know, who's going to argue about that? Right. You got three kids, you're giving them all the bonds, you know, But but when you have a business, it's much, much more complicated. So that's big picture. Gary, the problems that that happened, we can get into like some more very specific situations. Because
0: yeah, because actually you bring up a, a, a good topic there because you talked about, you know, OK, the the daughter in law and and things like that. How do you go about with the, the succession planning or, or trust planning, estate planning in the fact of protecting your child, because typically, okay, somebody goes through a divorce and suddenly their spouse gets half of all their stuff. How are you able to protect your child against that? So everything doesn't get split in half again.
1: Well, look, there's there's really two approaches you could take. There's the hard approach and the easier approach. The hard approach is to tell your kids before they get married they need some sort of a prenup. Right.
0: You know
1: especially difficult, not as difficult. I know this is going to sound a little chauvinistic, and I don't mean it to be that way, but it's just what I've experienced. A little easier for a daughter to ask their husband, if a daughter's coming from the wealth, to ask the husband to sign a prenup. When the sons have to ask the daughter-in-laws for the prenups, because they're coming not from as much money, generally leads to a lot of friction and, and usually starts animosity towards mom and dad from the daughter-in-law almost before the marriage even starts. You know, it's like right. that step one already in, in issues. Okay, And the daughter-in-law is not gonna forget that and that's gonna cause problems going forward. So that's one way of doing it. The second way of doing it is to make sure that anything that is given or bequeathed to your kids is done in trust. You know, you just can't give things out right now. Yes, every state's different. Every state has different divorce laws. You know, generally, if you give somebody something that's considered their assets, but it's so easy to commingle assets or have the assets grow. And then if there's a divorce, what piece of that is the the spouse entitled to get? So the best way to do it is put it into trust. So like examples, like I'll give you a few examples. Like if let's say your kid's going to buy a house
0: Mm -hmm.
1: and they want to buy a house. So what you end up doing is you could either say, if I'm gonna give a down payment towards the house, I'm gonna buy the house in a trust. So I'm paying for it, you know, it's in a trust, which means if there's ever a divorce, the spouse has no, rights to anything because the house is owned by a trust that's for my family and protected or what you could do is say okay you go buy a house and i'm going to lend you the down payment i'm not going to give you the down payment i'm going to lend you the down payment and now you theoretically have a house that has no equity because you have a six hundred thousand dollar house with a hundred fifty thousand dollar loan from me and a four hundred fifty thousand dollar loan from the bank now yes if the house goes up in value the two of you share in that appreciation but i'm the bank's getting back money and I'm getting back my money if there's ever an issue, you know, because if you guys get divorced and we sell the house and I got to get back my money. So, you know, there's clearly things that you could do with with business, putting things in trust. The biggest problem, Gary, when you do it is that trusts are greater. Look, I'm not a lawyer, so I don't make money by somebody putting something in trust, but both personally, my own planning and my advice to people, I am a big, big, big believer in trust because you just can't predict things. And, right. and it gives you so much, not only tax protection, but protection against lawsuits, divorces, and things like that. The biggest problem with the trust is the trustee. Who's the trustee? Right. So, and like, you know, like, am I gonna, you know, if I put something in trust and I have to my kids, I don't want it to just be that kid to be a trustee. I want protection there. That's the whole idea. So I gotta I wanna have somebody else. So what do I pick their sibling? And now I could have siblings fighting with each other because they're co-trustees on trust and they're fighting over how they're treating each other. You know, do I pick you as the CPA? So I have an outsider, you know, who's independent as a trustee. But the problem is what happens if something happens to you? You know, there isn't necessarily somebody at your firm that I'm gonna trust to do it. So sure. who's the backup and who's the backup there? And if it's for granted and money's going to be in trust for 60, 70, 80 years. How do I know who to pick as a trustee? So then do I go, go to a financial institution and pick Wilmington Trust or Bessemer or, or JP Morgan or somebody as a trustee? The benefit there is theoretically they go on forever. You know, I mean, they could be bought out and then you of course, why them. But it's impersonal and they charge high fees. And, you know, maybe they're not going to really do what I want to be done for my kids so so that's the catch-22 the more tying up of things to protect for these things the more other complications that come into play but the benefit is that you know you're not just leaving something to your son or daughter and you're dead and they could get divorced 10 years later and all of a sudden the money's going to them and you don't want that to be what happens
0: yeah i definitely i hear cases all the time because people aren't doing the proper planning and, and doing these things, and that's that's what ends up happening. Um, or, or even worse, people aren't going through and updating things. Um, where the we just I had a someone pass away last year, and they never updated their their beneficiaries on their retirement plan, and their mom had already. Uh, had already passed away, and that's who they were leaving it to. So mm-hmm. you know, Dad was still alive, but everything went to went to the estate. And that's I know that's not what they planned on, but again, it goes back to you know making sure that that you do the the, the planning that you need to do um, to to be able to keep things straight. Um, what are some of the other issues that that you run into when um, you, you're dealing with trust or? or, or you're coming in after the fact and somebody says, oh, I have a trust already set up. What are some of the issues that you're saying?
1: Well, well, I'm gonna divert a little bit and then I'll get to that. Sure. Like To me, because you brought up the point earlier, to, to me, some of the other problem, two of the other problem areas that why people don't do proper planning is because the business owner bifurcates their advisors because they like to stay in control and they don't wanna put all their advisors together because all of the advisors together tell him to do something that he doesn't wanna do. It's very hard for him to say no while he could, if you are the one guy who says it, and you're a CPA, you know know that you wanna keep getting paid every month to do his work. Sometimes you just gotta eat crow. And like, even though you know you want him to do something you just say, I'm not gonna push the guy because I don't want the guy to fire me. So that's one problem. The second problem is when egos come into play because there's usually, usually one advisor, generally the CPA, sometimes the tax attorney is the key person. Sometimes that person's ego hurts the planning process. And basically, you know, they don't really wanna be a team player. So so generally like my, I, I have a couple of things that I bring to the table. The first thing is that I have a multidisciplinary background. So there's almost nothing the CPA, the attorney, the investment person, the insurance person, the pension person is gonna speak about that. I don't understand almost everything that they're talking about. Mm-hmm. And that's unusual because everybody on the team knows their stuff and they know a little bit about the other people's. But they're not experts. I have the expertise in all of these areas. So it makes me very well rounded, uh, which is really important. The second thing is my purpose is to do the planning. I, I don't have an ongoing responsibility like the CPA or the lawyer does. So it's like if I don't get the person to do it, I don't really serve a purpose. So, like, you know, my job is to push the process forward because if he doesn't do it, then he might as well just get rid of me because. I'm not really serving any other purpose. So, you know, those things are are important. A couple of things that being a little bit more granular and specific, but to give the audience, what I find are some of the big issues that come into play in planning. So let's go through a couple of scenarios. Scenario number one, I got a kid in the business. I got a kid not in the business, all right? Most of my assets are in the business. How do I figure out what I do for my child who's not in the business? So there's really only a handful of options. The options are A, I give everything 50-50 to my kids. And now put aside estate taxes for a minute. I have an active and a non-active child, 50-50 owners in a business. If I leave it 50-50, then I've handcuffed my child in the business because now they can't make any decisions on their own and they have to go to a sibling who's not involved in the business if i give the voting shares to the child in the business even though the shares are left 50 50 then i need to put in place all of these protection because the really the main asset i'm leaving my other child is a non-voting interest in a closely held business that they can't make any decisions so what prevents my son or daughter from raising their salary right. taking perks doing things and in essence not giving anything to the other child, and maybe even if they sell the business, they structure it where a lot of the money is an earnout, or a, you know, some kind of consulting agreement, so a lot of the money comes to the the active child. To the detriment of the non-active child. So if you're going to do planning and give it and give voting rights to the child in the business, you need to structure a lot of protection in there so that the active child can run the business, make the decisions about the business, but can't just, part of my friend, screw the other child. Okay. Right. If if you if you decide I'm going to leave the business 50-50, but then there's going to be a buyout, a mandatory buyout by the active child of the non-active child's interest, then the problem you run into is the active child wants the value to be as low as possible. The non-active child wants it to be as high as possible. If the business is big enough, that could cause estate taxes. Now the non-active child is like on the side of the IRS fighting for a higher value, which could lead to more taxes. So they're in conflict with each other. Okay, if the other choice is I try to find other assets to leave my other child, but maybe there isn't enough assets. So many times, what people do is they buy life insurance and they say, I'm going to buy a million, two million, five million, ten million dollar policy in trust for my child who's not involved in the business, and that's going to be the way to take care of them. But then the active child is going to say, Well, wait a minute, you're leaving him money, he's got no risk, I'm being left a business that has risk, you know. So it's like you're never going to satisfy them. So that's an example if you have it that way. Now, let's say I have three kids. I have three kids. And let's say I have one kid in the business, two kids not in the business. Well, now it makes it even harder because now if I want to leave everything equal, I can have my non-active kids own two-thirds of the business where the active kid only owns one-third. And now I need more assets to make it fair because now I got two kids I got to give things to if I'm not going to give them the business what happens i'll give you another scenario i got two kids you, you're one of my kids and your brother's a kid okay and you're both in my business you came into the business 15 years ago your brother my son came in eight years ago you're really the heir apparent to the business you're more knowledgeable you're, you have more responsibility you're getting paid three four hundred thousand a year my other son's getting paid 150 thousand a year so now i'm doing planning I decide I'm gonna leave the business 50-50 to my two boys or to my son and daughter who are in the business. That seems fair, we're both in the business. How long is it gonna take for your brother to knock on the door and say, yeah, you know, with all due respect, you get paid 300,000 a year, I get paid 150 a year, but we're now 50-50 owners in this business you're not getting paid more than me anymore. And you know what, all those decisions and how you've treated me as like, you know, your little brother, well, now we're equal and every decision requires both of us to do it. And now you're sitting there going, I can't believe dad or mom did this because my brother doesn't have half of my knowledge. Okay, but what happens if I don't do it that way and I give you control? Okay, well then how do I protect your brother so you don't take advantage of him? So it's like every one of these things causes a problem. I'll give you another scenario. Because This is good because people, when they hear this, they can oh, yeah. say, wow, that's me. I have that exact uh-huh. issue. Here's a perfect one. You and I are 50-50 owners in a business. We're both in our 60s. We started the business when we are in our 30s and we have a buy-sell agreement that says, if one of us dies, we buy each other out and make it simple. <clears throat> we have a $10 million business. You have 5 million of insurance on me. I have 5 million of insurance on you. Either of us guys, we buy each other out. Okay, sounds reasonable. You and I have our two kids. One of my kids want to come into business. I talk to her. I say, well, you know, Garrett, you have a kid coming in. I have a kid coming in. You know, we have a buy-sell agreement. If either of us die, that kid's out. I don't want to be partners with your son or daughter. and I don't really want to be partners with your son or daughter. So it's almost like I have to tell my child, look, understand something. You're 30 years old. You want to come in this business. You're going to start investing some of the most critical years of your life in this business. I have an agreement with Gary, my partner. If I die first, he buys my shares. I don't own anything. Which, which means you're not going to get anything because he's going to have to take care of his own kid. He's not going to give you shares. I mean, maybe right. if you've been in the business 10 years and he you thinks you're a superstar, maybe things will change. But the odds are you're done. So right. like, how can I even ask you to come into this business and invest some of the best years of your life based on that? Because it's, it's potluck. It's 50-50. I don't know you know, maybe 10 years from now, Gary and I will sit down and we'll be 10 years older and you guys will be 10 years older and we'll be more willing to set up a plan. But today we're not going to do that and I could die tomorrow. So it's like, those are like critical kind of conversations people have to have. And that example that I just gave you is not an uncommon example. Oh no, not at all. Many people that are 50-50 owners of businesses that now their kids are coming into the business. And if they don't, and if they don't, if they're not willing to, talk that out your child could be investing some of the best years of their life in a business that they'll never own
0: right yeah you know, you've you've really hit on a lot of a lot of good points and you know I'm, I'm sure that the listeners are, are it's like well wait a second that that's me that's or that's my brother that's whoever if somebody wants to get a hold of you um, that, that's listening besides going through me how can they get in touch with you
1: Uh, I'll give you a couple of different things. Um, I wrote a book on business succession planning. If they go to stephengoodman.biz, they can download a free copy of the book, which I think they would find very interesting. It was written more for the business owner than necessarily a CPA or an attorney. There's some little complicated parts of it, but most of it is like the kind of things we've been talking about. Uh, They could also go to my website, which is shgplanning.com. I've written about 70 articles that are on my site plus some podcasts and videos that I've done. Um, My email address is sgoodman at shgplanning.com. And, you know, especially with COVID, best way to get me is my cell, which is 516-297-7390. So,
0: Stephen, I really appreciate your time. A lot of of wisdom that you've uh, hit on today that uh, I think the listeners are are really going to be able to use. So thank thank you you for joining us. All right, thanks.